Hello everyone, this is George Mapp from the Carolina Tar Wheels. Today I've got Rob Bontist and Caleb Negley. These guys are setting out to do the race across America, which goes from Oceanside, California, which is on the coast of Southern California, to Annapolis, Maryland. These guys are part of an eight-man team where each rider will ride for maybe three hours a day. In terms of total time, yes. Total. Tell me, how do you prepare for this? You're gonna, you, you guys will be covering five to six hundred miles a day. You'll be riding twenty-four hours a day, right? Yeah, someone on the team will be. Yes, yeah. And yeah, you'll have one rider going at all sure. times. Rob, you were actually a crew chief last year, right? I call my event "Damn" it was drive across America, <laughs> <laughs> and as the Crew chief, I was tasked with the responsibilities of putting riders on the road for their section. And just based on the terrain and based on the heat and based on how they're feeling, kind of determines how long their stint's going to be. Stints are only about 10 minutes each. So it's it's a lot of get in the car, get out of the car, pedal hard. Get in the car, get out of the car, pedal hard. (laughs) Was this a relay team with eight members, like the same as this year? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so for me, this is... I think training, I'm a graduate student at Duke, and I race with Duke's club cycling team. And the opportunity to do this race came up reasonably recently, only in March or so. And so I haven't been specifically training for this for a long time, but my favorite event in collegiate cycling is the team time trial, which basically requires a lot of 10 to 20 minute hard efforts, because those are usually how long our races are for that event. So I think it'll mirror what we'll end up doing out on the road in a couple weeks here. Okay, so it's short, a lot of short stints. It's not one long three-hour pull. So I guess science and experience has decided that this is the fastest way across the country. Um, so it's 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off. We start with the eight-person team, and we break it into two four-person teams. And each four-person team is broken into two two-person teams. And the two-person teams will take turns with their 10-minute stints for about two hours and then take about two hours off and then two hours on, two hours off and do that for 12 hours. So, yeah, so Rob and I are riding on separate shifts of the race and I think my shift is more or less than the night into morning and into early afternoon shift, which I think we've been nicknamed Team Vampire. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have a nickname yet. I think we're the day trippers. <laughs> okay, there you go. So, so yeah, I think our, our initial Rob's team will start out from... Rob's group of four will be the ones who do the opening leg, which will run basically noon to midnight in LA, well, in California, which will be 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. here. right? And then the Vampire team, my group... We'll pick up at midnight-ish and ride to about noon-ish. So will the two teams each have their own van? Yeah. So one team could be stayed in a motel and getting some sleep? You grab sleep when you can. So when your team gets off shift, then you have to get up the road 250 miles and try and eat and then try and get some sleep and then get up and do it all over again and end up being about three to four hours of sleep a day. Oh, wow. Is that, that's all you get? Three to four hours Yeah. As the crew chief, that was what I got. And I yeah. think some of the guys, when they were off of their, um, their two-hour stint, they were able to grab naps and stuff in the car. 
I mean, but my dad has done this the past couple years, and that's sort of my most direct affiliation with this team. And he's reported the same thing as a rider, that he's he gets somewhere between three and five hours of sleep a night, depending on how well he sleeps and how far they have to drive to the next exchange point. So so it wouldn't be in a motel, then. It would be in a van, right? I, ideally, you get to get to a hotel and a, hopefully a shower and, and sleep in a bed. Um, but like I said, you have to just grab it when you can. Some teams end up with camper vans or something, and they try to sleep as the camper van just moves down the road. I think our intent this year is to try to get to hotels or motels when we can to grab a few hours. But yeah. So each of you will have a four man, be part of a four man team. You'll you'll have a crew chief in your van. So there'll mm-hmm. be five of you in that van. Is that right? There's the crew chief, the driver, and then a navigator. Last year we had like a, a follow van, and then that had a driver and a navigator in it. And then there was the lead van, which had a driver and me, the crew chief, in it with another with a rider. And we would do our leapfrogs. So the navigator driver and then they would have two riders with them okay so there's a van that follows behind the active rider at all times is yep. that right yeah and you got your emergency blinkers on and you're you're behind the rider and for navigation you would put a signal light on early we have a headset oh, so the okay. navigator can speak with the rider and the crew chief can speak with the rider i think so we have eight riders on the team but we have 14 support personnel. I think 14 is the right number. And most of those people are out there to make make the race happen, not necessarily be turning the pedals over. There are teams that do this with, with very minimal support, but it has to be exceedingly difficult. I know last year there was a... I followed a, I followed the race as, as this team was progressing and paid attention to what other teams were doing, and there was a team from Ireland. There was eight guys, and they acted as each other's support the entire way across so they got almost no sleep because four guys would be riding and switched out and then supported the other four in terms of relaying them down the road and that they they discussed how difficult that was so i think we're really fortunate to have people who volunteered time as crew chiefs and as other drivers and navigators uh-huh. we had 23 crew members last year so there was a like rv with a full kitchen and everything and then two minivans and then a Honda Pilot, and then I think there was one other vehicle, so five vehicles. That's quite an entourage. It was, yeah. uh, You know, it's just constantly moving. It's a very (laughs) nebulous thing that you you just got to keep your knees bent, and some guys are going to spend longer on the bike than others, and depending on the terrain. We got into some situations last year when we got into the mountains of West Virginia. One of the rules is that you have to pull your vehicle five feet from the fog line or the break in the breakdown lane there has to be five feet of clearance if there's not five feet you can't pull over so we had to leave some riders out a lot longer than we had hoped just because there wasn't a place to make an exchange safely there's quite the rule book for this entire race that i mean as, as a rider i've read it over but for the crew chiefs and the navigators they really have to be on top of every little bit of it so things like this, like how we do our bike exchanges and how we switch from one rider to another and even how the riders are supported during different times of day are all very, very intricately and carefully lined out. And these are all rules we have to pay attention to. So this this thing about pulling your car five feet off the road if you're going to drop off a new rider or pick up a rider, right? that's just one of many. There's over a thousand rules in the rule book. 
It sounds like they're they are conscious of safety. That, that safety is a big part of this thing. It seems like a lot of the things I was reading on the web about this thing were about the solo event, and uh, I, I was just amazed that uh, a single person would ride twenty some hours a day, you know, and get maybe three hours of sleep at the most. Eight days of this? How can a person still be sane after? I mean, people definitely start to hallucinate. I know I've heard stories of that, and there. I've heard stories of the support crew just encouraging a hallucinating rider that maybe their hallucinations of being chased are real to encourage them to keep going because there's nothing <laughs> else you can really do with it. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, doing that, the solo adventure is a really amazing feat of endurance. Um, doing this as a team will be a little better because it's still going to be very taxing and, and difficult, but we'll at least get to enjoy it a little bit. Whereas, like, the solo guys, I mean, some of them end up having to, to wrap tape and stuff around their neck to keep their head upright because your neck muscles just get so tired after eight to ten days of pedaling across the country with little to no sleep. So, yeah, it's... The solo adventure is... It's quite the race, I think. So, you're a member of the Duke cycling team, so... You've done competitive cycling, obviously, with the Duke team. How long have you been riding with them? So I started graduate school in the fall of 2010, and I've been racing with them since I came here. I got into cycling in college. I went to school in Indiana um, and got into cycling there, partly due to the, mostly due to the influence of my dad, I think, because um, he, he rode and raced a lot as we grew up, and so it was it was something I became interested in in college and started racing then. And Duke had a great environment to race bikes in a collegiate setting with a collegiate team. And I jumped at that opportunity, and it's been a nice uh, nice thing to do during graduate school. So, uh, Rob, how long have you been riding competitively? Mm, I started racing mountain bikes about 30 years ago. Um, I've continued to move east. I started in San Diego, California, and I've been moving east kind of my whole life, and run out of mountains so I had to learn how to ride a road bike I think I've actually done a couple of races with you Caleb that I don't think we knew each other and oh really okay. yeah I think it was that Wolfpack classic yeah 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 I did that yeah. and then the what's the one out at NC State that little short track criterium yeah I, I learned there that I love the smell of burning brake pads <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that smell it's a fun course yeah so what's your preference road biking or mountain biking Tough question. I, I love my mountain biking, but you know the road biking. I'm 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 really enjoying it because it's it's fast and um, it's fun to to be pedaling with a, a good group of, of spirited athletes and having a good time. So, how did this Team MS uh, come about? Who who, who originally organized it? Uh... I think it all started with uh, the Bike the US for MS as an organization, and they do. Um, they do tours from east to west across the country. They do uh, four a year. Um, they typically take 60 days. Um, and it's all about raising money and awareness for multiple sclerosis. And Jeff Zaniker, who lives in Carmel, Indiana, has kind of quarterbacked this whole Gears to a Cure team. And I don't know how he got involved with Don Frazier from Bike the U.S. for MS. But again, it's just about raising money and awareness for multiple sclerosis 
So you were talking about your training. You, you've been doing a bunch of 10-minute sprints to train for this thing. What does the uh, exchange look like when one rider stops and another? You don't have a baton like they do in relay racing and track. During the day, they have very definite. Daytime, I think, is from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And during the daytime, we can do rolling stops or hot stops. So all we have to do is overlap a wheel. A typical stop will be a van will pull over, will put out a fresh rider, and the fresh rider will walk back up the course maybe 100 or 200 yards. And as the rider that's retiring from his stint approaches, the new cyclist will get on his bike and start to pedal, start to pedal, start to pedal, and hopefully by the time they exchange, they're both at high speed. So the new rider will take off, and then the retiring rider will hit his brakes, and he'll jump into the van, and then drive up the road five or six miles, and then do it again. And the nighttime exchange, how's that done? Same thing, only both riders have to come to a complete stop. And because at night, there always has to be a car behind the active rider. So during the day, that car can move up the road to drop someone off, but at night, that's not as much the case. So both riders have to come to a stop to facilitate the exchange. But in general, a lot of the rule book seems to be very focused on rider safety. And there are random, I guess more or less hidden officials out there on the course making sure that teams are following these rules. And this is a race, but it's also a bit, it's an endurance event and winning times aren't going to be dictated by, enough, like the splits aren't going to be seconds, they're going to be minutes and hours. So there's a lot of emphasis in the rules about being safe and if there's a red light, you stop at the red light. You don't give it a casual roll through and things like this. So the organization of the, of the race seems very intent on making sure that things are as safe as possible. Um, I think one thing that, that not everybody reads when they first read about rams, okay, so it's, you know, it's over 3,000 miles of, of travel, but it's also 145,000 vertical feet of climbing, which is, that's a ton. I think I expressed to somebody that I love descending, and so I, I think I've been volunteered or voluntold to <laughs> be at the top of uh, some pass above this section called the glass elevator, which is a 6,000-foot descent or something. Yeah, so my dad, my dad did this last year. He said it was, uh, I don't remember his exact words, but it was both exhilarating and slightly scary, just like how fast you could get going down it. Perfect. But I love it yeah. already. Yeah. <laughs> So would, uh, you're talking switchbacks here going down a mountain? I think there's a few, yeah. It's a, it's a long section. I've, I've been trying to watch YouTube videos on the, the descent just to kind of see how it, how it lays out. And Yeah, there's some tight turns. And... Is there any way you can know that there's not a patch of gravel at the next switchback? Being ram and how dialed in they are to safety, I would imagine if there was a patch of gravel somewhere that it shouldn't be, they'd either sweep it up or put a sign. <laughs> Probably, especially on that descent, since sure. it comes so early in the race. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, when I race with the Duke team, sometimes our road races are pretty mountainous, and going down descents, you frequently just sort of trust that the road is clear, and you adjust speed accordingly to just to use every inch of road you can. And usually it is, and usually if things are really bad, you have enough space to make a few evasive maneuvers, so... 
Um, descending in many ways is an art. I mean, if you watch professional racing, right, guys like Peter Sagan or Vincenzo Nibali are very well known for being really good descenders because they can use every single inch of that road, and it's it's a skill to learn just like climbing or time trialing or anything else. How fast do you get, get going down some of these mountains? I've been in the 60s. Oh, wow. Holy cow. Okay. So, yeah, Rob wins there. I mean, I think in racing I've hit, I've, I hit the low 50s sometimes, and I know the highest I've ever hit is the mid-50s on a couple descents back home in Indiana that were just straight, steep pitches. There's a Transamerica route, the Bicycle Route 1, and I was reading a little bit about that. And I think I read that the Appalachians were the hardest mountains because the roads were older and they weren't as well designed to climb the mountains, that the Rockies had newer roads and the grades weren't as steep, even though the mountains are much higher. West Virginia seems to have, it's just up and down and up and down. And that's going to be day five. I I think about day five, Mm -hmm. um, you know, of six and a half days. So that's going to be a test. As a crew chief last year, I only had maybe half a day in the mountains and the other team took over and crushed the rest of it. So I didn't get to see a, a whole lot of it. Um, but I, we had one page in the route book. It was 60, 63 miles and 11,000 vertical feet of climbing. It's just brutal. So what is it that you're really looking forward to for this event? Being a part of a team here or is it just really getting out there and riding as hard and fast as you can and uh, sort of a personal challenge or what, what is it that uh, appeals to you most about this? The dynamic of just doing a race that crosses literally the entire country and seeing so much of the country uh, from the seat of a bike is going to be really cool and doing I mean doing this with my father too will be a really fun and nice experience and that'll be really neat. Yeah and doing this in a dynamic of a team that like we're trying to go as quickly as we can, but we're also trying to raise awareness and raise funds and raise support for a really good cause in terms of awareness and research for MS. Um, as as a scientist who works in the medical field myself, it's like it's a it's an appealing thing and a nice thing to be able to do do. Um, and so hopefully we can accomplish all of these objectives of having fun, racing really fast, and having good camaraderie amongst the team, and also raising some awareness and money for MS. How about you, Rob? So I'm fascinated about how how far a person can push themselves and, um, just day after day of, you know, just hammering your guts out and able to somehow get up the next day and do it again. And, um, I, I have a, a bit more personal interest in this event. I was diagnosed with MS uh, 13 years ago and the day I was diagnosed, my neurologist looked me in the eye and told me that I'd never ride a bicycle again. So this is a victory for me. To be associated with this team last year as a crew chief and, and to have the opportunity to go and, and, uh, and ride with this team. And two of my teammates also have multiple sclerosis. So it, it's a huge victory for um, what the medical field has done for therapies, um, for MS patients. And it, it's just come a long way. Um, and so hopefully this will be the sort of thing that will bring about a cure. How does the disease manifest itself? I've been really fortunate. The medication that I take 
seems to be working really well for me. So I, I get through long periods of time where um, I'll be asymptomatic. But it's a great indicator when my body's getting worn down is when I get flare-ups of old symptoms. Um, my original symptoms were numbness in my side and numbness in my left leg. And I can feel when I get stressed or when I get overtired, I'll start getting numb in my side again. So it's kind of my barometer for, okay, maybe it's time to sleep eight hours. <laughs> Did you have any issues in the last year when you were the crew chief? <laughs> no, I didn't. And I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that maybe adrenaline is a wonderful therapy for multiple sclerosis. <laughs> well, I know you both got to be very excited about beginning this event i bet it's a lot of fun when you're there with all the other teams and everybody all the vans are all in the parking lot somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 eight-man teams they'll be racing against including teams from i think denmark and germany and the uk and ireland so this is the majority of the teams are american but it's definitely a big international event yeah so you'll get to know your teammates and your support people uh, very well i would think yeah. last year <laughs> The first day, um, the first day of the race, we kind of had a, a meeting before we went down for the official start, and and I, I commented that you know we're we're going to start here as 23 friends and we're going to end up as 23 family members, just because when you spend that much time with somebody, you, absolutely, you know, I made some lifelong friendships for sure. Yeah, yeah. How many bunks are in that RV? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is very interesting, and we'll be following you as you go, and uh, good luck to both of you, okay. especially during the uh, during the last few days of this thing. I'm really going to be thinking about you, because uh, I know that's going to be a real challenge. Yeah, uh, it'll be fun, though, too. Yeah. <laughs> we aren't doing it solo. The solo things. Yeah, right? That's daunting. Yeah. Different kind of tough. Yes, indeed, a different kind of tough. The race begins Saturday, June 18th, and you can follow their progress on several websites. You can Google Ride Across America or Bike Farther or Tractalis. If you'd like to donate and help these guys meet their fundraising goals, you can Google Bike the U.S. for MS. One final note, Caleb's former Duke teammate, Rob Ferris, is doing the solo event. That's it for today's podcast. This is George Mapp for the Carolina Tar Wheels.